microphone and read what's on the paper, please. There are three levels of rejection, primary, withering and severe. Please start with primary. OK, so I'll just read it into the microphone? Yes. In another room, a writer will hear you. He thinks it's real. Oh, right, OK, yeah. Oscar Barnes, please prepare for feedback. Thank you. I'll read it now. Mr Barnes, thank you for submitting The Flight of the Orkney Ork Part 1. It is not the kind of story we are seeking at the moment and we return it to you. Good luck with your future writing. Now, skip withering and go straight to severe. Uh, but but uh, that's horrible, isn't it? I mean, it's designed to humiliate this poor writer and... And you ju- did you just give him an electric shock? It's all part of the experiment. Now, please, read the rejection. That is your task, to read it. I'm switching on the connection again now. Read it. Oh, uh, all right. Oscar Barnes, please stand by for your next critique. Now. Oscar Barnes, I'll refer to your story, The Flight of the Orkney Ork, Part 1. Thank you for sending it to us but it is probably the most juvenile and derivative piece of pseudo-literary drip... Oh, I can't... I'm you must, or you won't get your fee. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. Please read the severe rejection level. <laughs> the pseudo-literary drivel, which has been our misfortune to consider for publication. Not only do we reject it, but we warn you that if you were ever to send us any more of your juju and scribbling, we shall have to prosecute you. Stick to the day job if you ever manage to get one. Yours sincerely, etc, etc. Oh, I feel, I feel really terrible. You have just done that man a huge favour. He will, in time, become a great writer. Well, I don't, I don't understand. I'm being honest with you. You can leave this facility with your head held high. <laughs> that was a clip from a famous TV documentary from 1965, The Swanley Bar Experiment and it caused quite a stir at the time. A film crew from the BBC was allowed to follow the experiences of a young writer called Oscar Barnes. He'd agreed to sign up for a revolutionary new approach to the one problem that all budding writers face, how to cope with rejection. Oscar arrived at a substantial Victorian property in the fields just north of Potter's Bar, in the shadow of an eccentric arch known locally as the folly. Ex-literary agent and publisher Penny Levitt, you heard her voice in the clip, founded the Folly School of Creative Writing to put young, aspiring scribes through their paces. She didn't believe in coddling creatives, but in focusing on the harsh realities of the writer's life. Constant rejection, chronic self-doubt, stubborn writer's block, and the unending battle with the blank page. And the way she did it was through brutal truth-telling and stark confrontations with what she called the painful truth. Here's what she told the film crew in 1965. As you can see, we place the so-called writer, that shivering non-entity of a boy, in a cold white room. I like to call it a cell, but I'm discouraged from doing so. There must be no distraction from the simple focus of a writer's life. 
the ultimate stark blankness of that empty white page, the yawning cavern of nothingness, both on the paper and in the soul of this creature who probably mistakenly believes that he or she has anything to say. Most of us have nothing to say. Therefore we add solitude and occasionally a few electric shocks to emphasise that truth. Some say it's cruel. I say, survive this and maybe, just maybe, you might write something half-decent. Oh, do get up, you lily-livered little squirt. The Folly Institute of Creative Writing, as it's called now, still exists, and in fact, that's where we're recording this episode of the South Mims U podcast. With me is its current principal, the writer and critic Anders Wart. Actually, it's Vart. It's spelt Wart, but with two A's. That's Dutch. W-A-A-T Vart. I thought we'd established that before you started recording. Oh, sorry. Yes, 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 we did. Sorry. Anyway, Anders, I suspect you've modified the approach of the Institute since that film was made? Indeed we have. Penny Levitt was a pioneer in the science of literary rejection. She was famous for her own withering rejective letters. And many a writer who subsequently achieved success thanked her for her brutal honesty and the creative way in which she tried to eviscerate their hopes of a writing career. Well, we'll come on to how you teach rejection now, but let's stick with that famous documentary. Yes, it does haunt us, but it also helps us. Oh, how so? Well, it made the Folly Institute famous and notorious, which actually attracted more students. They were budding writers who really wanted to be toughened up and put through their paces. But you don't use electric shocks anymore, do you? No, 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 of course not. In fact, Penny stopped using them just a year after that film was made. Did she do so willingly? Well, not quite, but her legal advisor... Well, they advised her to modify her methods. And how did she modify them? Buckets of cold water, ten-mile hikes in sub-zero temperatures, wearing only socks, that kind of thing. Oh, I see. But nowadays we use more, let's say... Woke methods? Well, they couldn't be termed woke. We are still quite confrontational, as you'll see. We don't believe a writer should be mollycoddled. The writer must cope with the mental pain of rejection and turn it into an advantage, a powerful progress, as we call it. So why did Penny Levitt resort to electric shocks in the first place? She was inspired by the famous Stanley Milgram experiments at Yale in 1961. Right, the experiments which saw volunteers administering electric shocks to unseen people. Yes, though of course the shocks weren't real and the unseen voices were actors. Sure, but the volunteers didn't know that, did they? Which was the point. Milgram set out to discover the interplay between our instinct to obey authority and the workings of our personal conscience. Which was inspired by the Second World War, right? Yes, specifically the debate that happened once all the atrocities of the Nazis were fully revealed, like the concentration camps, the gas chambers. People asked the question, why did so many Germans and other nationalities obey orders to exterminate their fellow human beings in such numbers? So Milgram designed the experiment to try and work all that out. He did. How obedient are we? How far do we go to follow an order from someone in authority? The old, I'm only, I was only obeying orders excuse. Yeah, yeah, yes. And many ex-Nazis used that excuse. Milgram's experiment was controversial. He wouldn't have been allowed to do it now. He caused real distress to some of the volunteers who thought they were endangering the lives of the people they heard through the speakers in the lab. We actually have a recording of those experiments. 
Uh, let's listen. You'll see just how closely Penny modelled her own techniques on Milgram's design. Incorrect. You'll now get a shock of 75 volts. Soft hair. He kind of did some yelling in there. Incorrect. You'll now get a shock of 105 volts. Hard head. Just how far can you go on this thing? As far as is necessary. What do you mean, as far as is necessary? Complete the test. This one will be 195 volts. The correct one. Let me out of here. Slow. Dance. Let me out of here. My eyes bother me. Let me out of here. You have no right to keep me here. Let me out. Let me out of here. Let me out. Continue, please. Let me out of here. My eyes bother me. Let me out. Let me out. Red. That is incorrect. This will be at 3.30. It's actually quite chilling. The actors did a good job, and only a few of the volunteers argued with the authority figures. So Milgram proved his point. Well, it seemed so at the time, but the debate about the validity of the experiments has raged ever since. Well, the documentary that showed Penny's rejection therapy also caused quite a stir, didn't it? For a while, yes. The newspapers took up the story. Southern turned it all into a joke, which Penny hated. She regretted allowing the BBC documentary crew into the Folly School. OK, so how do you teach the art of dealing with rejection now? Well, we start by saying it's a fact of life for a writer for any creative. And really, if you think about it, for everyone. But writers are rejected more than most people, aren't they? Well, actors are probably the most rejected people on the planet. A writer can spend a long time writing something and get rejected multiple times, but the rejection is concentrated in time. We call it the rejection arc. The rejection arc? Yes. You complete whatever you've been writing and then you send it out. Then there's an arc of rejection which rises, usually quite slowly, the swift rejection letters or emails from companies that aren't accepting anything at the time or just can't be bothered to even look. And then you get a steady flow of more considered rejections till most of the places you've sent the material to have passed on your work and the arc drops. There'll be one or two laggards, but then it just goes quiet. You're alone with your failure. Don't actors suffer the same thing? They do. They go to audition after audition and get rejected 99% of the time. That's constant. It can be almost every day. That's hard to take. But they get used to it. Yes, they become hardened. Now, writers don't get the chance to develop such thick skins as quickly because their rejections come in a storm. While for actors, it's like... It's like uh, an annoying drizzle. <laughs> nice image. Thank you. Thank you. We do a slideshow of all the famous writers who had to go through seemingly endless rejection before they finally made it. And that helps? No, actually it doesn't help. It's not meant to help. It's designed to show that rejection is a fact of life for everyone. It is something that must be overcome even though most of us are highly unlikely to ever be as successful as... For instance, J.K. Rowling, but she too had to endure 13 or 14 rejections for the first Harry Potter book. Which I hate, if I'm honest. Ah, uh -huh, and that is the next lesson. Oh, well, what is that? Rejection isn't a judgment, even though it might read like one. You get rejected for all kinds of reasons. It's not all about being bad. It's all about luck, timing, the taste of the reader at the other end, their circumstances the market, 
the whims of someone's boss, the state of the reader's mind, or stomach, or back. Acceptance is pure luck. Rejection is the state of equilibrium. I don't understand. Rejection is the norm. Acceptance is the outlier. Even though hundreds of books get published every day and thousands of movies and TV shows get made every year... And millions upon millions of people try to write all of those things? Do the maths and you'll see the odds are always against you. So, rejection is the default state. Acceptance is the outlier. Simple. But that's depressing, isn't it? Only if you perceive it that way. I don't understand. Take a look at the sequence that comes after the electric shock scene in the documentary. We haven't deviated from the approach Penny pioneered in her one-to-one -one sessions with students here at the Institute. Well, everything except the slapping. Ah, oh, right, yes, I remember. The slapping is quite prominent. Well, we ditched the slapping a few years ago. Well, I'm not surprised. So let's play that part now. So here's another clip from the 1965 documentary. Those of you who find slapping disturbing should turn down your sound now. Oscar, are you feeling relaxed? Yes, thank you, Mrs Levitt. This is a very good malt whiskey and the music, it's relaxing. So, your short story, At Twilight's End. I really took to heart your comments about my tendency to be... Um, jejeune? Yes, jejeune. To be naive, simplistic and superficial. Yes, naive, simplistic and uh, superficial. Devoid of significance or interest. Uh, yes, that's what the dictionary says. Juvenile and puerile. Sure. Lacking any nutritive value. Nutritive value. Good writing feeds the soul as well as the mind. Oh, yes, you're right. And your story nourishes nothing. Not even the steaming compost of the worst writing of the ages. I don't... I really don't think... If I can be honest... Oh, be honest, Oscar. Please be honest for the first time in your life. I don't think that's quite fair. Oh, don't cry, Oscar. Resist the urge to sob, please. I'm trying, but I thought... I thought... I thought, well, the, well, the whiskey... The music... The cream crackers... Majority. Rejection will strike at any moment, even your most relaxed moments, when you're mentally savouring the words you have written and imagining the pleasure of the reader's face as they gobble them up. Only, Oscar, they have not been gobbled up. They have been spat out before even the end of the second sentence. Accept <coughs> ah! the rejection. My story has merit. Accept ah! the rejection. Well, I worked so hard on that. It's based on a real experience of mine. Accept ah! the rejection. Accept it. I, I accept it. Good. Now, what will be your next step? Uh, uh, I don't know. Do better? Yes. Never give up? But you said I'm a bad writer. Ah! Did I say you were a bad writer? You said my story was vision. The story is bad. I said it was bad. But did I say you were bad? I, I, I don't know. I think you did. I'm confused. You slapped me. Writers need to have some sense slapped into them. Ask Ernest Hemingway. He killed himself. Because he hadn't been slapped enough. So, so, I accept the rejection. Rip up the story. That's my only copy. Rip it up. Okay. You are human. 
you will fail. Rejection reminds us of both those things. It is therefore a good thing. Embrace rejection. Seek rejection. Use it to focus your efforts and your goals. Use it to see your work and the world in new ways. Crave rejection. Celebrate rejection. Pin your rejection slips to the wall and read them every morning before you sit down to write. I will. I will celebrate rejection. Your story was bad. My story was bad. Oh, so bad. So horribly, Shishan. Beautifully, Shishan. Beautifully, Shishan. Now, go and write another bloody story. So, uh, Apart from the slapping, that's how you teach rejection here at the Folly Institute? It is. It's a bit like primal scream therapy or something. Well, rejection is primal. Some research using MRI scans of the brain reveals that we actually feel physical pain when we get a rejection. Not just for something we've written, but when a friend drops you, or a partner breaks up with you, or even when someone disagrees with your opinions. It happens when you don't get a job you want. Or a promotion, too, of course. Our institute is for writers, but everyone needs to be taught how to take rejection and how to use it to improve their character and their lives. Other research suggests that pain is actually an evolutionary advantage for humans. An evolutionary advantage? You feel pain when you get rejected because you know you might be left out of the group. And that would be bad for you and your genes. So the pain teaches you to go along with the group. In prehistoric times, that enabled humans to survive in dangerous conditions. Right, I get it. But that actually makes sense. And rejection is also key to a more philosophical approach to writing. How so? As the Stoic philosopher Epictetus put it, don't wish things to happen to you as you desire, but wish them to happen as they do. Then your life will flow smoothly. Um, I, I don't understand. You wish that your writing will be accepted and that you will be praised and rewarded with fame and money, but that should not be why you write. You write because you write. So writing has value because you want to do it. If other people like it, that's a bonus. And you let the world, the universe, decide your fate. So the point is doing it. The doing of the writing. Yes. When you accept that your mind is free to do what you love, which is to write, then each rejection reminds you that all you need to do is write and keep writing. If you're successful, all well and good. Be happy with that. If you're not, that's good too. Be happy with that. Rejection is always a sharp reminder that the point is the writing and your need to write and not the effect or consequences of that writing. Well, sounds very profound. It's very profound, believe me. No true writer can or should avoid rejection. I seek it out and Penny taught me to. It's how I not only survive, but thrive. It's also important because it gives putative writers a sense of perspective and enables them to overcome the expectation that society has for huge success. When I say I'm a writer, almost instantly I get the line, oh, so you're going to write a bestseller and be amazingly rich? It's a cliche, but it's also a drag on a writer's motivation. If you feel compelled to write, write. But don't do it for fame and fortune. The writer who is famous and rich is the exception that proves the rule, even if, like J.K. Rowling, they suffered rejection after rejection. Don't fall for the myth of the writer. Just be the writer you want to be. And get used to rejection. Yes, and get very used to rejection. So, 
you write. Naturally. And how many rejections have you had? 3,842 and a half. And a half? What was the half? When you agreed to interview me for the Self-Mims You podcast. Oh, well, I'm glad to oblige. I think we should leave the last word to Penny Levitt, don't you? Oh, I agree. So, dear listeners, we leave you with the wisdom of the great Penny Levitt, the first and greatest rejectionist. I like that. Rejectionist? I made that up. Do you like it? It's pure art. Oh. Oh. Did you send the story out? No. I couldn't face another rejection slip. (laughs) Ah! Will you send it out tomorrow? Oh, must I? Yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. Please stop. I'll stop when you laugh in the face of rejection, when you dance on your next rejection slip and vow never to stop. No! <laughs> 